welcome to Tabletop Game Talk, On Topic, a show where we talk about tabletop gaming topics of all kinds. I'm one of your hosts, Kitty. And I'm Chris. Today, we're taking a look back at 2019. We'll check out our 2019 Kickstarters, talk about the highest highest rated games (laughs) that we were were released this year, (laughs) and we'll learn how to read. Then we'll take a look more generally back at the podcast. But first, as always, a thank you to our Patreon friends of the show, Adam Harrison and the SGC. And thank you to all of our other patrons as well. I don't know why we have any patrons after that performance. Well, we're professionals, right? (laughs) (laughs) Something like that. So this is the end of the year. Uh, Fletcher is still in a foreign land, I think. Yes. I'm pretty sure. Um, Prague, I believe. Prague? I want to go to Prague. Maybe we should go to Prague instead of recording right now. No, we're recording for the fans. It's Christmas week. It is. This is, this is going to post on the morning of Christmas Eve. So yes. Merry Christmas to everybody who does that thing. And Happy Hanukkah to everyone who does that thing. And other holidays. I, I don't know what the so other holidays are. people who celebrate those. Yes. <laughs> happy holidays. And um, happy December to anyone who doesn't celebrate anything. Yes. I know Christmas and I know Hanukkah because Sydney's Jewish and I grew up with Christmas. So those I know. But anyway, um, yeah, we are, we're going to do this by ourselves. This is only our second, I think, TGT we've done with just you and me. The blind leading the blind here. I don't know. I don't have numbers. All right. We're calling it good. <laughs> so we were going to record. This is, which is actually, let's see, 945 Monday night. Yes. So this is going to post in about three hours from when we record it. This I'm was not tired. our intent. We were going <laughs> to record this afternoon because we both had the day off, sort of, um, whenever you're staying home with kids. And the babies wouldn't nap at the same time. And My baby wouldn't nap fault. ever. My baby isn't a baby anymore. My toddler refused to take a nap. Player three was just like, no, I'm having none of this today. And we had a holiday party to go to this evening, which made him super pleasant there. Yeah, Zachary did eventually go to sleep, and then he did wake uh, Well, he woke up. He would have been fine. I think we would have been fine. So we're going to blame player three for this. Oh, yeah, because he never actually went to sleep. Yeah, no. Um, we just need to get him as a host on the podcast, and it'd be fine. He was doing this really irritating thing where he would, like, lie in my arms, and his eyes would close, and then he'd pop up awake. <laughs> and, like, he did that three or four times. And I kept thinking, like, almost, almost. I kept texting you, like, oh, five more minutes, and then... Pop awake. It was awful. So I'm very tired. Well, this is going to be a fun episode. We're going to take it easy and we're just going to look back. We don't have to create anything or look at anything new because we're just looking at all the other stuff. Um, so, yeah, we're going to take a look at the Kickstarters that we've done this year because I said I was only going to back 10 new games this year. Let's see how well I did. We're then going to take a look back at the highest rated games of 2019. If you listen to Dice Tower News, you have already gotten a glimpse of these, but they're worth mentioning, and we'll probably go a little bit deeper on the list. And then we'll just take a look back at the podcast a little bit. Um, a lot has happened this year, and it feels like a really, really long year. And It does. It feels like a super long year. Yeah. So it's, yeah, we're going to talk about all that. And I think it's because we picked up Dice Tower News at the beginning of this year. Yes. So, so it feels like we, we've been doing, I don't know, because we were doing the Kickstarter edition before. Yeah, but somehow that felt less... It it felt like less work. (laughs) Yeah, because we... So the Kickstarter edition wasn't scripted. 
we just not kind of fully. not yeah. fully like we would write down you know blurbs and stuff and and notes so it was research but it, we weren't scripting it with dice tower news it's all scripted so everything we say has been written down ahead of time and that takes so much time and then editing takes so much time because if we read it wrong we gotta go back and read it again so yeah that 10 little 10 15 minute podcast just takes a lot of time so we've been pulling double duty for a year now i'm i'm proud of us for keeping it up nodding doesn't work on podcasts i'm too tired i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) all right well let's just jump into this then um kickstarters we, if you've been following us for any length of time, you know that I've gone through several waves of Kickstarter addiction, 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 addiction. Um, and last year was one Kickstarter a week was my limit. So it's just going to, and that was cutting down from the two to three Kickstarters a week from the year before. This year, I said 10 Kickstarters. I'm going to back 10 Kickstarters, but I, I narrowed it down to 10 new games. And I did that, but there's some asterisks next to it because I also backed 10 expansions and then a various, a few other things like to be in support of stuff. Um, I'm going to go into detail on some of these because some of these I really want to vent about because we've already gotten them. And then (laughs) others uh, we haven't gotten yet, but I'm still looking forward to them. So how did you do on your Kickstarters? So it looks like I have backed 13 this year. Oh, that's not too bad. How much was your total backing? I don't actually want to give my number because it was ridiculous. Um, I don't know. I'll do the but math. But you backed you a bunch of little back. stuff, right? Like I do. I mostly do little things. So, But I also, I don't know. Maybe I should take Windward out of here. And also, oh, it hasn't even shown up yet because. So I, I backed Vampire the Masquerade Heritage and Windward were actually Spencer backed them. But he, uh. I have the Kickstarter account. So. <laughs> It can still count for you. I probably would have backed Windward either way, but yeah, I think my average pledge looks to be about a hundred dollars. So that's counting across new games, expansions, um, support, all of that. And I, th- the I would guess the most expensive one that I backed is forty nine dollars. Parks. Yep, and I actually own Parks, but I bought it at retail, so. You know, it's it's a sketchy. Even though I told you about the Kickstarter while it was happening, you were like, "Oh, I've never backed one of the same things that you've backed." I was like, "Yeah, but you bought it in retail later because you don't pay attention to me." Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can't argue. All right, so let's go through this. Let's take a look at the early ones, like the very first one you backed in 2019. What was that? Fences, a tile laying game. Have you gotten it yet? I have received this one, but I have yet to play it. So the first one You're I got was... hear that a lot. I'm really sorry, guys. <laughs> no, which is fine. And we won't go every single one of these. I was just kind of curious because um, I think that Kickstarter is getting better and better at fulfilling things faster. Because mm-hmm. the first one that I backed was Suburbia Collector's Edition. And this was in January, a game that I had not owned or played before, but it looked gorgeous and lots of great reviews. And it came a few months ago, and I've played it since then, and I really do enjoy it quite a bit. So, um, like, hats off to Suburbia. And then Tiny Epic Tactics was after that, and that one is also showing up already. Uh, Root, the Underworld expansion, I have not seen yet. It has an estimated delivery of 2019 December, so, like, right around now. I haven't actually looked into if it's late or whatever, but... um, that's okay. I'm like again, I really don't expect things to come in the same year, so I'm not overly surprised about that one. Um, 
And then the next two I have some complaints about. So I'm going to go back over to you. Uh, what's, <laughs> what are the other ones that you've gotten so far? Um, so ones that I've received, I have Parks. I did get um, Charty Party. And we played at Gen Con. Yes. So you got that one really early, actually. Yeah. That was a really quick turnaround. Um, Matryoshka, Tussie Mussy, and Grim, a card game, which was one that was basically already done because I this is actually my most recent one that I backed. And also, I've already received it. I just received it this week. Wow. So basically, it was just decks of cards they were printing up and sending out. Yeah. Yep. I just got... I. Um, the Mythos Busters podcast did a standalone scenario for Arkham Horror and mm-hmm. then gave us the files that we could like put to a card printing place. They would print on demand. And I did that and I got, I think it took a week. So uploaded the files. A week later, I got the cards in the mail. So a lot of these Kickstarters, if they're just looking for quantity to get the discounts on deck printing, you can be, you can have really fast turnaround if the game is already done. Yes. So, all right. So there's two others that I have received. That's Terraforming Mars Turmoil. Just got that a week or two ago. And I am actually going to play Terraforming Mars again in the very near future because it comes with, well, at least the Kickstarter version did. I don't know if the retail version, but it comes with like these really cool double layered um, player boards with recessed places for all the cubes and stuff, um, which just makes the game feel more, I, I don't know, deluxe, but it. <laughs> Like it, it matters, right? Like these flimsy pieces of paper, like having that deluxe board, just, I don't know, it's more substantial. Mm-hmm. And then the other expansion I got was Plague Inc., the Armageddon expansion, which we haven't played yet, but I'm actually looking forward to it. Um, technically, this is Sydney's, but I like it as well. It's just hers because she's like, these are the games you're not allowed to give away. So she has a shelf in the game room that are like, <laughs> you can't give these away, even if you're bored with them. I'm like, all right. So that's one of them. Okay, I'm going to complain about two... Kickstarters right now. Okay. The first one's only a minor complaint, and neither of these are games. Um, So the first one's a minor complaint. I backed Character Coins, role-playing game token set by Dice Dungeons, and I got 10 sets of them in, like, every variety that they had. The coins are fine. The concept is great. Um, Individually wrapped coins are kind of a pain, especially when you're talking about one-inch size, because... That's just a lot of coins to unpack. I know most people, this is this is my problem. Most people did not get 100 coins. But um, the real problem I have with these is on the table, because they're just, they're like quarters, right? That's the size of them. And you really can't see at a distance the distinction between them. And then there's a lot of coins that are like the same. So there's no way to mark them. So some kind of color on the coin would have been amazing. I've tried painting them a little bit and seeing if I can make that work, but that's just really time consuming. So even though I spent a decent amount on these coins, I'm wondering how often they will actually come into play, considering A, how often I do tactical combat anymore, and B, how much they aren't really that easy to see on the table. So again, that was more me. Mm-hmm. This other one, though, oh, I'm still furious about it. So this was custom game mats. Any size, any shape, any image, et cetera, et cetera. I have a kitchen table that's 54 inches by 54 inches. And these guys were able to print a mat at 54 inches by 54 inches. Awesome. Perfect. Stitching on the side. Great. Sent them an image that was... Are you familiar with like the invisible grid whiteboards? 
where at a distance you don't see it, but when you get close, you see like black dots on the whiteboard? Sure. Okay. So that's what I was attempting to do on this. I wanted a black mat with white dots every one inch on all the one inch corners. Um, so I sent them a file that was, and I don't know, it took me a day and a half to make this file because it needed to be huge resolution in order to do this. So I sent it to them. It was just a bunch of dots, um, 54 dots in one direction, 54 dots in another direction, multiply it together. That's how many total dots were on this image file. Just a bunch of white dots. I got a solid black mat with like, there was no possible way that this was ever tried to be printed on this mat. And then I went back and forth with them and, and their customer service um, email being like, okay, I sent you this file. Like you didn't try to print this file at all. And then finally it ended with, oh yeah, that's just, that dot's going to be too small. It, it wouldn't show up. And I'm like, I, I just, I don't think that's if true. If you had tried, yeah. I would <laughs> be mad at you. Yeah. And if you tried and said like, oh, look, you can see here where there's like these tiny smears or whatever. Yeah. There's no ink anywhere on there. And they're not that small. Like, they would show up on a normal playmat. They're just dots. They're like, I don't know, maybe 16-inch dots width. And it just, oh, so mad. This this mat cost $223. And it's to get solid a fifth, black. <laughs> and, it's, and it's a solid black mat, which I can get a solid black mat of that size for like $45 if I just wanted a black mat. And... Oh, it's, it just made me so mad the way it ended. And it, and even if, like, yes, this pattern isn't going to work, let me know that before you send this. You know, this is like a small little company that I get that they're trying to get all these mats out. They're trying to be, you know, this the big boys and all this stuff and compete with all these other companies. But as a Kickstarter backer, backing at one of the highest levels, you would think that someone would have looked at this file and said, oh, yeah, this isn't going to print at all. So we're just not going to print it. I, I just don't. Oh, it, this one this one bugged me, and I don't get bugged a lot. Okay, that's my ranting. Back- so while you were ranting, I did the math. Um, so not including Spencer's games. I've taken them out. I spent a total of $296, which is an average of $27 per game. Much That's, smaller than yours. <laughs> that is much smaller than mine. I just told you how much I spent on that one play mat. Although that was <laughs> that was the most I pledged at any on any of these for the actual pledge. The, the thing that might be throwing this off is it does show you your pledges in whatever currency they were made in. Right. So, so there could be some Canadian dollars in here throwing things off. The I think the Canadian ones have a C in front of them. Do they? Then yeah, that's but it. the but euros and pounds because I'm seeing euros and pounds and yeah. Oh, it does. It's a CA dollars. Yep. I didn't back anything Canadian this year. It feels a little prejudiced. I don't know. <laughs> Way to be all made in America or Europe or London or wherever. I backed several <laughs> Canadian games last year. Yeah, I several, don't. Even, I mean, two. <laughs> I don't even pay attention to where they come from, and I should sometimes because sometimes it like it's a huge effect on shipping. But being in the U.S., we're rarely affected by it. And then every once in a while, I'll back something from Europe and I'm like, wait, what? How much is that shipping? Like, yeah. All right. So, but yeah, I think let's see. So I did. I did back ten games, ten full games, and those full games are Suburbia, Suburbia Collector's Edition, Tiny Epic Tactics, Kingdom Rush. Uh, Bloodborne, uh, Trudvig Legends, 
Tiny Epic Dinosaurs, Zombieside Second Edition, Necromold, Car Wars, and then I need to jump to um, maybe because I also put Too Many Bones down as a full game, even though it's an expansion. It was just a super expensive expansion. So maybe that is it. Um, on the expansions, I did Root, Anachrony, Terraforming Mars, Plague Inc., Thunderstone Quest, Roleplayer, Dinogenics, Dice Throne Adventures, and Ultra Tiny Epic Galaxies, which I just got in the mail the other day. And it's like the size of a deck of cards. Um, I really want to play that at some point. I really want to play this Grim game that I just got. It's fu- funny how like when it really does go from like I backed it to I have it in my hands within a month or two it really like stays fresh in your mind and like much more likely for me to play it. Whereas some of these, um, like some of the first ones I backed this year. So Fences was the first one I backed, received that, Parks next, and then Charty Party. But then we start getting into uh, Zorro the role-playing game. This is supposed to be coming out this month. Haven't heard anything from them. Um, Bloom, Vampire the Masquerade Heritage, Cristallo, Papillon, Windward, Calico. None of these have dates until some of them pretty far into next year. I'm yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> I think a lot of these, well, now that this is a reasonable number, like when Suburbia came in, that was the first big game I'd gotten in a while. I'm like, oh, I don't have like four other games I got in the same week. So I can actually play Suburbia and not feel like I'm ignoring these other three games. Um, so I, that's another th- reason why I'm like, I kind of like this whole not getting two or three games delivered every week, even though I still have, I think, uh, War of Whispers is downstairs, and I still haven't even opened it from its uh, brown box packaging. So I'm like, well, it seemed like a good idea at the time, and it probably would be, except for I backed it two years ago, and I have no recollection of what this is besides some kind of territory control game, maybe. So I have to go back and like watch all the old videos on it. Um, you know, this just came to me. Everyone who's going to run a Kickstarter, when your Kickstarter is finally shipping, you should do another video. Another video to get people excited about the fact it's going to ship and go over the rules as they ended up in the final version because a lot of those Kickstarter playthroughs are invalid because they don't have the same rules anymore and get people excited about the game when you ship it. A lot of the big ones do that and so they stick around, but these little ones... It's like they ship and there's just no follow-on media whatsoever for them. Sorry, I I just realized that I haven't received one of my Kickstarters from last year. And there's a whole thing about if you didn't receive your package. And this was like an update that went out like three months ago. But now so I have now to go follow up on this. Man. Yeah, every once in a while I go through and... I'm like, all right, I haven't gotten this, this, and this. And then I'll start looking at the comments. And I'm like, all right, wait, why don't I have this? Where is this coming from? Um, Kickstarter yeah, is actually... it looks like everything shipped out, but some people did not receive theirs. And there was a, you need to do this to follow up. And I did, this one's on me. Yeah. You have to keep up with these things. Especially when you have so many Kickstarter things. When you only have one, it's easy to say, oh, I got a Kickstarter notice. This is cool information. When you have like, I don't know, 20... Every day you're getting Kickstarter things, you can't read them all, and they just become noise. And I'll click in, but I just I can't pay attention to every single one of them. The way Kickstarter sends emails, number one. First of all, you get the email from Kickstarter themselves that says, hey, have you checked out these new things that were put up on Kickstarter? Look at that. That happens like once 
every three days or something, I just get a, hey, Kickstarter, we're making sure you're still alive. I don't know, (laughs) email. And then everything you've ever backed will send you all of their updates. So anytime one of these publishers is putting out a new Kickstarter, they often update their old Kickstarter pages. So I'm getting updates from games that I have received and all these things. And like, I don't unfollow things. That's work. (laughs) And so I get all those emails. And I get all the emails from the current Kickstarters that I actually care about. And I get a bunch of I clicked saved on these because I was curious about it, but I didn't want to back it. So now I get the you've got 48 hours to back this. So it's just I have a full folder emails where like it just gets filtered off my inbox because I can't deal with it. And I usually go in about once a week while we're doing notes for Dice Tower News and try to catch up, but you miss things that way. Yeah. Yep. No, I'm I say I don't know what my goal for next year is going to be. I think I've gotten to a point where I don't because I'm just was doing ten games this year, it wasn't like uh I have to back there something every month, which was a big deal. That's why I made it ten because I'm like Otherwise, if I back something every month, I'm just going to back something every month to say I did it. With 10, I have to actually pick and choose. And I've gotten a lot pickier with the ones that I backed. Like, Tiny Epic, anything Tiny Epic, I love. So I want them all. Even if they're Mm -hmm. bad games, I want them all because I just, I like the format. I like the line. I'm going to get all those. Kingdom Rush. You want to try them too. You don't know if it's going to be bad. Yep. As a Kickstarter. And I have like the tiny epic um, carrying case and I can put all those in there. And honestly, I think the tiny epic games are like the perfect games to bring to work where it's just like, here's all this tiny little things and it can be a pretty meaty game, but it takes up very little table space. Um, Kingdom Rush, I really, really like the video game. So I'm looking forward to that. Bloodborne, the game, that was one where I'm like, eh, I really didn't like Bloodborne, the card game. But the board game looked really, really cool. So I'm like, all right, I got to get this. Uh, Too Many Bones, the Slice and Dice expansion. This one, I think I want to like Too Many Bones more than I actually like Too Many Bones. But I already have, like, (laughs) everything. So I'm like, eh. Sunk cost. Yeah. There's some completionist in me for that one. Um, True Bang Legends, super looking forward to that one. That's the one by uh, Simon. And Zombie Side Second Edition. I don't like the original Zombie Side, but I like the fantasy version. I like the space version, and this looks like it's retroacting those rules. So I'm like, all right, I'm in. Um, Necromolds is that Play-Doh one where you kind of like that sounded really cool. I'm getting this just it for the kids. Way too fiddly for me. Way it's, to go. I think that it could be one of those things where when my kids are in the five to seven range, it becomes a toy. And then eventually like at seven or eight, you'd be like, and we can play a game with this. And this is how this plays out. So that's kind of how I'm imagining this. This is more of a, by then you've lost all the pieces you need to actually play the game. Probably a lot of these games. I think I want to play with my kids, but that's years and years away. So I'm like, by then there's going to (laughs) be other games to play. Um, and then Car Wars. I did not, I kind of missed the Car Wars phase. I was, you know, I was a gamer in the 80s and I knew Car Wars existed. I just never really got into it. And then Car Wars 6th Edition came out and I just accidentally started watching a video because I'm like, there's no videos on this Kickstarter page. And then there was a link to a playthrough, which was like an hour and a half long. And I just watched the whole thing and I'm like, I want this game now. And so I'm really looking forward to that one. It's sort of a miniatures game with cars. So 
but yeah, I mean, every one of those I I am looking forward to playing and getting and having a good time with. And that's just not that something. I'm so looking forward to Calico. And that I think is my furthest out estimated delivery. What is Calico? Calico is, it's a quilt game. You're making a quilt and you want to make your quilt the most attractive for um, a cat to come sleep on. So you're <laughs> trying to please cats and there's different patterns that the cats want and you can get buttons added to your quilt by following certain patterns. It looks really fun, but basically it's a tile placement quilt game where there's both color and pattern matter. And it looks, I'm really excited about it. Looks like they've put a lot of thought into it. I just think it's funny because I've been spending the last few weeks being like, we need to make the cats not sit on the blankets on the back of the couch. Knowing that if you put a blanket on the back of the couch, of course the cat's going to sit there. That is exactly where they're going to sit. (laughs) But then I can't take the blanket down and put Zachary on it because then he's covered in cat hair. So I'm like, storage so ottomans yeah oh, I should that's where i keep my blankets that's a it's good... the best because the dog if you put the blanket on top of the couch there's one more step in the process in which the dog pulls the blanket off on purpose and then lies on top of it and gets hair all over it yeah well that makes me the premise of calico just right there boom out the window <laughs> well it looks okay. like a really fun game all right. Well, I will play it with you at some point if ever we're in the same place at the same time. Also, you know, in apparently October of 2020, it oh. will be arriving. So, All right. <laughs> <laughs> so that is my furthest out delivery date. Next I New Year's. Oh, what do I have? Oh, no, I All have right. a January 2020. No, that's new. That's soon. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I don't know what year it is. Mine. November 2020 looks like the furthest one out. Now there's a December 2020. Trudevay Legends is December 2020. Simon takes a long time to do their stuff. Like, a long time. They should be yeah. better at this. <laughs> but they are now officially on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. And wow. um, one thing they have also noted as part of, like, whether their financial reports or whatever, is their income from Kickstarter has been going down year over year. Um, not necessarily because they've been running less projects. They usually do five or six a year. But I think just because they're not making as much off of them as they used to. So the money's getting spread around. All right. Enough with Kickstarter. Let's take a look at the games of 2019. Um, do you have this link? Yes. All right. So have we I did- clicked on it? No. <laughs> well, you will by the time <laughs> I'm done with this intro. So we did a countdown on Dice Tower News this week that was, because the hotness doesn't really change that much in December, um, because not a lot of games are coming out or being announced around this time of year, we did a countdown of the top 10 games in 2019. What's interesting about this is the number one game is the highest rated game no, I guess that makes sense. Um, but it's at number 30 overall. And the next highest is 146. And then after that is 281, which seems low. I, I feel like in past years, newer games shot up that list faster. And this year, a lot of the games really didn't make their way up that list. So we're just going to go over some of these pretty quickly, kind of call out the ones that are um, interesting or surprising. Um, the first one is not surprising at all, um, and that is Wingspan at number 30 overall and probably still climbing. Kitty, yeah. you love this one. 
I love me some wingspan. <laughs> I haven't been able to get my uh, expansion out yet, though. So that one just, the expansion just dumps right into the box, though, right? There's really nothing, yeah. like, no new um, big components. There's another color of eggs and some more cards. Yeah. But yeah, so Wingspan came out in January, had a huge issue with trying to meet demand, and by the end of the year, it had an expansion. Yes. Which is pretty impressive, um, but that's how long this year has been, is where Wingspan is still this year. Wingspan has spanned this year. It is the beginning and end of this year. I think it will, it's going to win so many awards next year. It already won Kennerspiel this year, this year. it's going to win yeah, so many Yeah, you made me say that awards. word on Dice Tower News. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Wait, what did we not do on Dice Tower News? Oh, Ketter just made... spelled as yours. <laughs> yeah. The dreaded J word. You got it. You mostly. didn't listen. <laughs> <laughs> um. So the next highest, though, and this was, again, 146 on the overall list. Now, there's a lot of games on obviously on the top list. So uh, 146 is still phenomenal. And that's the Lord of the Rings Journeys in Middle-Earth game by Fantasy Flight, which is, I did not really expect this to be this high on the list. It's Lord of the Rings, um, but it's basically, and I do have it, I haven't played it, and I feel like I should now because all these other games on like the top five I've played and I really like. I feel like you should just give it to me and then we can play it. I should just give it to you. So, I'm coming over to your place New Year's Eve. Yes. And I should bring a few of these games so that you can actually make me play it. (laughs) But yeah. Because we won't have enough games to play that day. Yeah. So, this is an app-driven game that handles, like, the the world and the monsters and things like that. Uh, And they just released a adventure mode, which basically is, like, super easy story-only mode. So you're not really going to die, but you can have plenty of time to explore the area and follow the story along and stuff like that. So yeah. um, there, there's a lot of support going on for this game. What's really neat or cool or interesting to me is the next <laughs> top one is at 281 is Marvel Champions, the card game, which is also FFG. And after that is Tapestry at 290, which is also Stonemeyer game, which is the same as Wingspan. So the top four rated games in 2019 are... FFG and Stonemeyer, which yep, coming from just two companies. Yep, and I mean they're great games and great companies, so it's not too surprising. But yeah, like I said, that was to me. I did not expect Tapestry to be that highly rated. Uh, it's it is a good game. I really do enjoy it quite a bit. But it and I don't know. Maybe some of the hype got it up there. This will be interesting to see a year from now where these things settle. But. Yeah, that's Tapestry. Um, then there's Res Arcana. This is the fantasy version of uh, Race for the Galaxy. Uh, not really, but same designer but in a fantasy world. Mm-hmm. Um, Pax Premier. This is a war in Afghanistan game. Uh, Tainted Grail. I've heard this described as a cross between Seventh Continent and Gloomhaven. So if that's the case, then there's no way that this is not going to skyrocket up from space 379 now to way higher when the second wave and a ton more people get their copy in a few months i am really interested in playing this one i it sounds so cool and there was like a part of me that almost backed this this would have like doubled my kickstarter budget for the year i think though and it made no sense for me to back it because you were backing it and who am i gonna play it with it's not you yeah, a friend of mine is has been playing it. They got, 
I think they paid for two waves of shipment. So the way this worked is you could pay for two waves. So you get like the base game first and then you get all the expansions later. Or you play for one wave where you just get everything all at the same time. And I opted for one, not because of the money, but just because like I get so many games, it doesn't really matter to me if they show up later or not. And then this is one where I actually regret you have major regrets here because you yeah. want it now. I do want it now. Um, so this one, I think this one, the so if you're on Board Game Geek, if you don't know the way the ratings work, is every game starts out with like, I don't know, something like a thousand ratings of five behind the scenes. But there's an average rating and a geek rating. The geek rating is just takes into the people who rated the game. Or, I'm sorry, the average rating takes into consideration just the people who rated the game. The geek rating is the one that's weighted with a lot of fives. So you can't like spike it. It takes a yeah. lot to, to move it around. The average rating on Tainted Grail is 9.02. I don't know of, and there's uh, over 1,600 voters on this. I don't know that there's anything that's rated that high with that many votes anywhere else. Now, its geek rating is only 6.9 because it, it needs more actual voters for that to go up. But at a certain point, we're going to see that rise. Um, to give a example, Gloomhaven is on the list, and it's an 8.9. So 9.0 is the difference here. So And that's huge on these tails. Yeah. So that's Santa Grail. Um, Paladins of West Kingdom, uh, Anne's and Legacy, Tiny Towns... Those one, that's the top 10. And Tiny Towns is great. I mean, I, again, I didn't expect it to be a top 10, but I can see it. It's like a nice, casual, fun resource management stuff. Um, Escape Plan is number 11. This is a super, super heavy Euro game. Uh, Star Wars Outer Rim is number 12. This is another FFG game. Sort of, I've heard it described as plays like Firefly, but faster. And I mm-hmm. own it. I haven't played it yet. I really want to play it. Um, Twice as Clever or... Ganshan Clever, I don't Nailed know. Nailed it. It's just, you got it. Ganshan Clever. Well, Ganshan Clever is, that's so clever. Twice as clever as like, uh, Dosh. Oh, it's like Dublet. Yeah. Dublet <laughs> as clever. Know. Yeah, that's what it is. Um, Parks, which we talked about as a Kickstarter. Horrified, which is like the simple little uh, cooperative. Another one you picked up at Gen Con, didn't you? Yep. It's a cooperative yeah. movie monster game. And people love it. It's like, just love it. Barrage, I'm not sure. I like I was surprised about this one. This is a um I think this is a dam building game. And where you're Was this a Kickstarter this year? This was a Kickstarter this year, yeah. Okay, because it just released this week to like the public. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and I mean it and it already has like eighteen hundred reviews on it. So I don't know. This one kind of came out of nowhere. I'm not sure if we're going to hear more about it next year or if it's just a flash in the pan or what, but it's for 2019, it's pretty high up there. Um, overall, this is like 631, but again, that's, it just released. Um, let's see. I'm just going to scan down here. Maracabo, that feels like that should be higher. It's been on the hotness forever. Gotham city chronicles. Well, how many people have actually gotten their hands on Maracabo though? Oh, that's actually a good point. Cause Maracabo is really hard to get their hands on. I picked yeah. it up at PAX unplugged, uh, last week, I haven't got it to the table yet, but it probably won't get into mass release until February-ish of next year. Same with stuff like um, Seventh Continent. I would expect that to be bigger. Or was that last year? Well, Seventh Continent, this is the expansion. Seventh Continent, what goes up must come down. And it came out the year before for the base one. 
This one's the expansion that came out. Okay. And then, um, but I'm really looking forward to the retail version of this to hit the stores. And that's when we'll really know whether or not this game is a mass market possible game. So remember, we talked about this is going to, it's going to be just the core game, uh, completely compatible with anything you already have, but you'll already have it if you if you get the retail version. But they were never going to make this a available in retail because it just costs too much to print. And then due to popular demand and just a ton of people wanting it, they're like, all right, well, we'll have to strip it down and make it cheaper, but we can make this happen. So that's what they're doing. Um, let's see, Black Angel. That one was a really big one this summer. Century uh, A New World, which is the most recent, the third in the Century line. Oh, Point Salad. That one was... Um, made a splash and then the cthulhu death may die i just got this the other day and i just played it yesterday i really like this this is the one by eric Haintling and rob davio um it's kind of a tactical um horror scenario game um but yeah and now we're getting down to the you know thousand plus but still so, these games are still great like wingspan the european expansion it just hasn't had time to float up there yet called to adventure undaunted normandy imperial settlers emperors of the north cloud spire um dune uh, dune keyforge uh so on tour made it up here huh. uh oh the rolling right yeah yep this was one of the first things i ever looked at on kickstarter was on tour when we were starting to do that. And I, I don't know. I hadn't gotten a lot of like information. Like I didn't have a good feel about like what were good Kickstarter vibes and not. I feel like I know so much more now. Yeah. So these so are much basically more useful and slash useless information. <laughs> yeah. It's useful to certain people. So we're not going to go over all of these because there's just a ton of them. But what is interesting. So if you're interested in knowing like, okay, what was hot in 2019? The way you do this is you just go to Board Game Geek, you click on the search in the upper um, corner, and it'll bring down a, a drop down. Click on Advanced Search and just put in the year. So it'll ask you, year published. So I just put in 2019 and then search. And then once that comes up, you can sort by whatever rating you want, whether you want to be average rating or geek rating or board game rank. rank rating and that's the one i'm sorted by um because a lot of times the if you sort by rating um games with very low number of votes will float up to the top so you'll just get a lot of people voting for their own game but they're the only person that voted for it so yeah you get a lot of three votes four one two one 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 (laughs) yeah well let's see let's do just a quick uh, peek into 2020 because you can always just put in a future range if they've been entered in and see what people are already waiting rating these at because it's kind of ridiculous that this game hasn't been released yet but it could still be there um so eclipse second dawn of the galaxy um trying to get things that have more than 100 votes so just kind of showing that people have played it or something that i've heard of um tang gardens is a kickstarter that is anticipated so you can do this and you're basically looking at like what is the most anticipated games and a lot Mm -hmm. of the games like a lot of the kickstarters will show up here too because people have actually have played them so they'll put ratings on here even though it's not going to be released until next year so your vampire the masquerade heritage is currently ranked 10,642 on overall even though it's never been released well spencer is the one who really backed that one i'm not even i don't think i even looked at that page very much 
He also so, recently just used my account to back. Um, what is this? It's another vampire thing. This one's a book. Oh, part of the, for the role playing thing. Yeah. Yeah. It says. <sighs> I have to know now. <laughs> well, while you're looking Going at back that, back to that page. <laughs> the vampire board game is actually a mega board game, so it's played over a number of stations. And so there's multiple boards set up in multiple places. And then everyone's kind of on a team and you're roaming around, interacting with the different boards in different places. So it's. I think that's a different. That's the. There have been three big vampire ones. Oh, is that not Heritage? No, that's Requiem. No, I don't know. Now, oh, yeah, because Heritage is just a two to four player. Yeah. All right. So that one I know nothing about. Except well, I talked about it on Dice Tower News at some point. That was so but the one ago. I just recently backed for him is Cult of the Blood Gods for Vampire the Masquerade 5th Edition. All right. Well, lots of vampire stuff. Yes. Uh, Spencer has much more expensive taste than I do in Kickstarters, looking <laughs> around here. Well, another thing with Kickstarters is role-playing games are crazy expensive. Like, Yes. You really... Even if you just get the base book, you're still looking at forty or fifty dollars for the book, and yeah. for forty or fifty dollars, when you're looking at a board game, people expect so much more. Yeah. Granted, the writing necessary to put a role playing book together is ridiculous, but the price is it, it compensates for it. Also, the number is usually less. You get a lot less people buying these books. I'm surprised that you don't see more people doing because I do a lot of. Um, any of the role playing stuff I do, I usually only back as a PDF. So those will still be, you know, expensive to buy a PDF. It's like fifteen to twenty bucks usually, but you know, you're you're paying for so much time that somebody's yeah. putting into this that even just to get a digital file, you know, you've got access to that. You can print it. You can do whatever you want with it. Send it off to wherever and get it a leather bound book, but. Um, You know, even if it's not something I think I'm going to play, if it's something I want to read and it's something I think is interesting, like I backed the Zorro role-playing game and I also backed last year, I think I backed, um, I was like a hex crawl setting. Yeah. Yeah. That I've actually, I don't know if they delivered a finished version of it, but I've had access to like basically a Google Doc for a long time now that... and I just don't the, have time to do anything with, <laughs> but it's yeah. a really fun read. Yeah, it's one of the things that's kind of cool with um, crowdsourcing the or well, crowdsource funding role playing games is you have a lot more people that can read it over and catch mistakes. Where yeah. if you're just doing your own self thing, even if you have an editor, you are not going to find as many mistakes as if you unleash you know a thousand people on it. Now a thousand people aren't reading it. Maybe only three or four are. But even so, from one proofreader to three or four proofreaders, you're still going to find a lot more stuff to fix. So yeah. I like when when the Kickstarters do that. It's like, okay, read this. It's mostly a final version. We just need to catch typos and, and issues and grammar and whatever. I love any Kickstarter that gives you access to the rulebook before you back it. I don't think you should ever back a Kickstarter if you can't read the rulebook. And I'd say that for Simon games as well, because Simon will come out and they will not put the rule book up until after, usually after the start of the campaign and sometimes not at all. And that's the reason why I did not back, um, I want to say it might have been seven, uh, 
Oh, the the the, the, the oh, why am I forgetting it? This is the Eric Lang Jap- Japan game, Rising Sun. Rising Sun. Um, You're welcome. They didn't have a rule book <laughs> for that campaign at all, so I did not go all in on that. I just like oh, I'll just get the base game, but and then afterwards, I'm like. If the rulebook would have been there, I would have gone like all in and gotten everything because the game's awesome. But no, well, that's a choice they made. Yeah, bad choice. Bad choice. <laughs> all right, let's take a look back at the podcast in general. What have we been doing this year? We talked a little bit about Dice Tower News and how that's been part of it. Um, Fletcher joined us this year, right? Yes, because I think Josh was still here for last year's resolutions episode. And we had changed over to, at the beginning of the year, I think we tried doing uh, feedback episodes. That was this year, right? No, I think that was last year. Oh, I'm the last, I see a feedback episode, episode 135, and this is episode 174. 174. So, wait, that's about right, though. 35 plus 70, well, 35 plus 52 is 87. So, yeah, that would have been... Yeah, I think that was like the end of when we did feedback episodes, though, not the beginning. Well, let's take a look. So um, we have our... Riveting radio. I know. While you scroll. Hey, if anyone's listening to our Christmas Eve episode, they love us, and they like hearing (laughs) us just babble on about nothing. So... Well, the beginning of this year brought the birth of your child. Yes. I guess that, that is a big deal, so... January twenty sixth. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just like three episodes in. Yeah, and I, we didn't skip anything. I mean, if we wouldn't skip when you gave birth, I couldn't skip <laughs> when my wife gave birth. I wasn't even involved all that closely in the process. Yeah, I you know I came closer I think to us missing when you were out than the when timing, I had a baby. Yeah, the timing wasn't as good because we kind of anticipated I timed yours it so well. You're we, welcome, you, everyone. You did, you yeah, because we pre-recorded an episode. Because I, in fact, gave birth on the day where we normally would have recorded. <laughs> yeah. So we're like, all right, we're going to record just to make sure in case anything happens this weekend. Um, and then... And lo and behold, it did. But yep. that was two years ago. It's outside of the scope of this episode. It is. It, it is. <laughs> but then... So yes. So then our episode. Um, so our first episode of the year, I think it was episode 123. So this is when okay. we started the feedback stuff. And we did that because... It was early- this year. Yeah. That's crazy. And we did that because we were having scheduling issues, getting us all three in the same place at the same time. So what we were hoping that we could do is record two or three at a time and then do the feedbacks as a separate thing so we could just combine everything and do it one feedback episode. Well, it turned out getting together to record two or three at a time was just as improbable. Still very hard. (laughs) Yeah. Because there's a lot of energy that goes into these. Uh, yeah. You wouldn't be able to tell from this episode because neither of us have energy right now. <laughs> but so doing like two or three in a row is is really kind of hard. And then the feedback ones was just, wow, there were so many emails and so much to go through that it started taking, it wasn't, this is going to sound harsh, but it wasn't very fun anymore. It, well, because it wasn't just reading, because reading the emails is really fun. Right. Reading and responding and even sometimes not responding because we get a lot of emails, but just reading through them, like it always makes me smile. Every email I get, even if it has criticism for me, I still they our listeners are really good at compliment sandwiches. Yeah. I still smile yeah. every time. Yeah. But, <laughs> but trying to edit and choose what we're gonna talk about and to 
sort through by topic because it's a podcast. People aren't listening in real time every week. So sometimes we'd have feedback from episodes that we aired years ago, possibly. And it was tricky. Yeah. And and basically, we can't read everything. Well, most anything that we get, it's we can't really read it verbatim and in its entirety. So we have to edit it down to the core. And it just it really, really was a ton of work. So we had to kind of fade that out so that we could, because we would record three episodes and it was great. Like three episodes, we didn't have to worry about curating feedback. We could just read it at our leisure um, and, you know, file it away. And you'll hear us a lot of times saying, oh, yeah, someone wrote us about this or someone wrote us about that and said this. Uh, But when we came to the feedback episodes, it was, oh, boy, this is going to be rough. And that's actually what happened to the input threads, too, is it just became so much work to go to. And it it doesn't sound like it should be work, but going to the input threads, pulling off like good input, not that any of the input's bad, but just pulling off the input that's actually um, good to use for for the episode, it also became something that was too it, it too much work for what we were trying to do. Like, we want to make sure that we're able to release something every week. We want to make sure that we have fun doing it. And so we've kind of fallen into a cadence where we still put an episode or, or a listener feedback or a question or whatever, you know, one or two an episode, but more not formalized. It's just when they when they're there, we bring them. When they're not, we don't. And we try to just have a good episode, and hopefully the content can stand up for itself. But I don't want to discourage anyone. We read all your feedback, all whether it's on Board Game Geek, and you know the feedback threads are there. I love them. I read them all the time. Um, they're not nearly as uh, active as they once were. Uh, that's mostly my fault again. Daytime, real job, kids. <laughs> It's it's hard. You were so much better at these things when you were on paternity leave. Sort of. I was also sleep deprived. Um, <laughs> but it really is like real life kind of gets in the way of these things, right? And this is something that we do for fun. And that's, you know, we want to make sure we keep it fun for ourselves. And anything, anytime it starts going into the realm of, you know, maybe we've just done enough. That's when we start saying, okay, well, what can we change to make it fun again? To make it something that we want to do and we look forward to doing. Um, and we've done that. Like, we absolutely look forward to do- We're doing this on Christmas Eve. Well, Christmas Eve Eve. Um, because we want to. Because it's important to us that we do this. So, yes. yeah. Don't take this as a negative. I'm just kind of like, again, summarizing well, No, I think it should just be our gone. new Patreon goal. Like, if you want us to put the input threads and do feedback episodes again, you need to make this our full-time job. So... You know, just give us lots and lots of money (laughs) and we'll totally start doing more and more work. (laughs) If we can raise $20,000 a month, boom, done. Ah, that's the dream. I would do an episode every single day for that amount. (laughs) I don't know what we would talk about anymore. Today, we're going to talk about the rate Chris's toenails grow. (laughs) Oh, wait, that's not for real, right? Because I could, I have, I have That's next week's episode. Next week's episode. Awesome. Toenails. Um. <laughs> Everybody loves toenails. Everybody loves toenails. The toenail game. second favorite kind of nail. <laughs> um, I'm gonna leave the first one as a question mark because it could be wood nails. Could be. There's a lot of kinds of nails. This, this I mean, has I gone guess off. We're talking like uh. we are not editing this. All right. What was your favorite episode this year? I don't know, you're on the spot. 
You really did put me on the spot. Um, I really liked, I think, Introverts and Extroverts was this year. Uh, Potentially. I liked that episode. If it wasn't, it should have been. But that, yeah, that was a great episode. Or maybe we're just remembering from last year. Um, I'm checking now. Let's see. I'm just going to kind of go through some of these. So we did the $250 uh, game collection. I think that was our holiday episode last year. Like something yeah, in December. Yeah, I think it was like this one that, f- I think it was the one that falls kind of in between Christmas, New Year's around that, that time. Yeah. And then we did favorite games, um, gaming accessions, games versus puzzles. Um, well, that was a fun one. I, that one was, that was a definition one. All our definition ones are awesome. I love definition ones. I can argue definitions forever. <laughs> my parents it. are attorneys. <laughs> it was my childhood. Define um, brushing your teeth. Yeah, no. Um, how the industry works. This is a, created a series where you got very passionate. I I thought that was the Kickstarter one. Well, the Kickstarter one, yes, but you also you um, are very passionate that board game publishers are they shouldn't be bad businesses. So I said something along the lines of basically, a game designers don't make money. Board game companies barely make. No, money. I think I this mean, was part of the Kickstarter argument. It might have been. We did Actually, a how. I take it back. My favorite episode we did this one is about um, where we talked about breaking promises. Oh, yes. That was also very passionate. I did get very passionate about that. I really liked that one. Yep. I, I thought we had a lot of interesting things to discuss there. We did. And I think that we had some really good feedback on that one as well. Yeah. So um, one of them, and I don't remember who it was, or I can't quote it to you, but it was something along the lines of, if a publisher doesn't have to keep their promises, then why would you, why would anyone ever trust that publisher? And I don't know that we actually talked about this on the air, but my response to that is pretty simple. A publisher breaking a promise is one thing. They may lose some customers. They may gain some customers. It's a calculated risk. A publisher that breaks promises all the time, that's totally different. Like, that's just bad. That's bad. That's market m- trying to manipulate your customers. And that's never going to be something that succeeds. Um, but breaking promises occasionally to keep your company in business, I don't know. I, I'm still on the side of I'd rather a company be around than... I think you just have to be really careful when you make promises. And I think that anyone in this industry now should have learned those lessons from other people making those mistakes. Yeah. And like, there's no reason to make that same mistake again. And we are getting much better at that. Honestly, even with Kickstarters, I'm seeing few and few Kickstarter exclusive tags. Um, the most recent one I'm seeing, it they were marked free with this Kickstarter. So <laughs> you got them free with the Kickstarter, but it wasn't making any kind of commitment that you might not be able to get them or that you might that they weren't going to potentially make them available later for a cost. And I think that like, you know, the couching your language saying like, like Seventh Continent, I don't think they ever guaranteed like this game will never, ever be available in retail. I think they said something along the lines of, we don't see how it's possibly feasible to do this. And if you want this and you believe in it, you should back it now because that's the only way you can guarantee. And that is all just honesty. I think Odyssey is great. Yeah, and the game that they're releasing for retail is a subset of the game that you could get. Yeah, on Kickstarter. it's not the same game. They were accurate with their statement. Yep, they can't See, do the same thing. Uh, we did an episode on being super competitive. I liked that one. <laughs> that that one's those ones are the kinds that I, like going um, into getting it. Getting better at games. That one was fun. Yeah. Yep. 
But like those ones are ones where when you go into it, I don't know exactly where it's going to go. And it actually makes me think and like change my perspective. So I'm like, eh, yeah, those ones are great. Um, let's see. We did an episode just on Trevor Davis. <laughs> it was an email he sent us. It was a good episode. And we did our Gen Con live show, which is always fun. Um, and then these are the rest of these are getting a little bit more recent. So uh, we did a pay to play and um, all for what is this? I, st- I started for naming- money. Yeah, playing for money. That was Ooh, good. living oh. that dragon lifestyle. Yep. I don't even um, remember what that its original name was, but we, it we ended in such it. a great place. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we did an episode on print and place, which we will revisit next year. And actually play a couple printed plays. I still haven't played Tiny Farming Mars, but it's sitting here on my desk staring at me every time we record. Just like we're totally going to do our Couch to 5K gaming. Totally. We've sort of kind of, I don't know. We'll get there. (laughs) These are games that require prep. And we're terrible at prep, as we've already talked about. We're so bad at prep. Um, All right. Anything else we, I think, are notable over the year? I've had a lot of fun this year. I've had a great time this year. Yeah, I think Fletcher, um, I miss Josh. I definitely do miss Josh. Um, I think Fletcher adds a lot. He's, we need to get him to talk more. <laughs> then again, you just we need, need to, to talk t- less. We both need he's to talk less. He's not good at interrupting you. He's not me. No. No uh, one's me. <laughs> but he's getting more comfortable and he's getting more saucy too. So I, I, I like it. Um, I like it when we get him on economics. He gets fired up. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if he's listening. Hi, Fletcher. Hi. But, well, <laughs> and the thing is, we like the three-person format because even if that third person isn't talking all that often, having the third perspective there is important. And us talking while another third person is there makes our like how we're talking and how we're approaching subjects different as well. They stop us from fighting all the time. That happens. Yeah. I don't think our listeners want to know what it's like when we play a two-player game. <laughs> no one wants to be a part of that. Including, including me. Us. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's oh my gosh, the two of us doing a two-player cooperative would just be like a nightmare. Yeah. No, I think the best <laughs> games that are something that you are good at playing, I'm just going to put it all on you, is the not... <laughs> Very interactive multiplayer competitive games like Wingspan. Yes. Where, yeah, where you can do your thing, I can do my thing, and we don't really affect each other, nor do we. So you don't get any uh, much take that or anything like that. Um, that's the kind of game that you really shine with. Again, I'm putting that on you, but I don't mean to. <laughs> well, I think it needs to be something non alpha playerable where yeah. there's not a lot of clear right and wrong decisions for you to make and decide yeah. that you're right. Um, <laughs> I think it needs to be something that's not um, bogged down in the rulesable. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, your nose in the rule book the entire time. <laughs> I think well, maybe for both of us though, especially for that first couple games though. It's like, wait a minute, let me look that up and see how that works. And we're both the- looker uppers. Yeah. I think we would play with like the rule book open between us constantly. Yeah. If it weren't for Sydney and Spencer being like, put it away. <laughs> yeah, let's just play the game. Um, yeah, like co-op games are, are tricky. Um, because I think if the two of us... So Sydney's kind of the same way, where she is very alpha player. This is how we should work. But if the two of us are playing, just her and I, 
we can actually have a discussion and we can actually have fun playing co-op games. I think you and I would have the same thing if it was just us. <laughs> it's when we need to convince other people at the table that we get impassioned. <laughs> it turns into some sort of like weird presidential debate. <laughs> yes. I think else... we should put this sticker here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where everyone else at the table is just like, and we're going to go over here and drink because this is Josh the only way we can Josh and Spencer are like, people. oh, did you decide yet? No. <laughs> okay. We're back to not paying attention to both of you. <laughs> yeah. So, but that's okay. That's 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 what having fun is for. And actually, Betrayal Legacy is a really good one, too, because you don't have to work together in Betrayal Legacy. In fact, that's the whole point. So, that one works out. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to next year and how that goes um next episode will be new year's eve like yes it drops on new year's eve um drops on new year's eve i mean it's easy to do a resolution episode but i don't think we want to do that so we'll, maybe well, we'll let you got fletcher some time pick. to think about it <laughs> yeah. we'll let fletcher pick that episode title and he can decide and he has to drive the whole thing Let's see if that works <laughs> it never works i always start talking and that is just me all right let's get out of here <laughs> um Wait a minute. I lost my notes because I was looking at old stuff. This is episode 174, right? Yes. Um. Anything else to say for the year? No. All right. Then I'm going to say you can follow us on Facebook at Tabletop Game Talk Podcast. Twitter's at Tabletop Game TLK. Kitty is Lawful Good Mom. Fletcher is Net Fletch. I am Game Master Chris. Leave us an iTunes review because they're cool. Or check <laughs> us out on Patreon at TabletopGameTalk.com slash Patreon. Tabletop Game Talk is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Thanks for listening, and remember, we love your feedback, so email us with comments or questions about today's topic at feedback at tabletopgametalk.com. So, next week, we're going to have Siri read all the names, because um, I think it was Michael uh, brought it up, and I'm like, ah, that sounds like a great idea, but I haven't got a chance to actually make her do it, so I am going to read all the names this week and see how it goes. A huge thank you to our patrons. Adam Harrison, the SGC, Jason Strong, Terrence Milner, Stephen Seitz, Brian Arnold, Sean P. Kelly, C. Marie, Rudy Liu, Benjamin Heimowitz, Jerry Wong, Stephen Phillips, Kayla O'Brien, Jennifer Engelbrett, Justin Willard, Christopher Dong, Jason Marks, Jeremy Fisher, David Radke, Nick Quistra, David Sellers, Jason Rodney, Michael Yanikowski, Miles Clark, Sydney Lum, Phil Swartzel, Ann Reynolds, Eric Hoffman, Adrian Dong, Nate, Baz Plintham, Sean Peck, Eric Seelander, Mike Smith, Trevor Davis, Tim Vernig, Chris Lowe, Joe Hoover, Timothy Gross, Glenn Cotter, Jesse Wolkowiak, Emil Jewel Jacobson, Marina Stevens, Gregory Huber, Don Gilstrap, Stephen Judd, Leanne Verholst, Christopher Letko, John Lewis, Joe Stad, Ron Nelson, Sarah, I'm oh, sorry, Sahara Wentworth, Weatherman Keith, Nicholas Lotz, Agnes Toth, Paul Raymer, Timothy, and Matthew Droke. Until next week, keep playing games and having fun. You can tell where the names start that you haven't had to read a lot of times because <laughs> we've had people reading them for us. I just love that we have so many names to read. I like, know. We that's have the really best cool. Patreons. We do have the best Patreon.